my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is so wonderful uh, to be able to touch base with you uh, once again. Uh, this week, now we're digging into the subject, the new birth and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, so far, uh, we've looked at the implications of this thing uh, that's called by, by Christians the, the new birth. Uh, today, we simply want to ask, can the Holy Spirit change me? You know, this actually covers so much territory. You know, it deals with that issue of, you know, victory over sin. Is it possible? Is that much change physically possible in the world in which we live? Now, to guide us through our uh, discussion in the second half of our, our program, uh, we've got uh, our regular Wednesday co-host, Pastor David Butcher. Now, David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in uh, South Oz. Now, welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary, and I uh, really want to say a big shout-out to all of our listeners right across Australia. Oh, yeah. Look, David, I, I really appreciate the uh, you taking time. I mean, uh, people don't realise how busy you actually are. I mean, you are tied up in that office from morning till night. I know some of your nights go through till 10, 11 and 12 o'clock at night. You back up at uh, promptly at business hours the next morning and then somehow you find time faithfully week by week to actually come uh, in here to our to our studio. And look, Gary, yeah, look, I think anyone that has the, uh, a ministry heart, um, you know, we, we perform different functions, we do different things. I'm currently in an, in an administrative role. But uh, I want to keep my feet and my hands involved in, in active ministry. And, and so for me, this is a joy of my week when I'm around to actually come in and be part of our Drive Time Big Q&A program with you and also with our listeners. Yeah, I've got to admit, David, when, I, when you first mentioned to me way back at the very beginning that you'd like to be part of our team here, I sort of thought, hey, I'd love to have you as part of our, our team, but I know the sort of demands that you've got on you and to actually have those demands and be able to work with those demands, uh, I, I thought, well, maybe he might last uh, uh, one, two months, but I didn't. I, I, I really believe you're doing a, a, a wonderful job there, David. Oh, look, I, I really believe in the medium of radio and in particular Christian radio. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that thrills me is as I travel around South Australia, but I know that this happens in every state of Australia, yeah. um, that uh, people are listening to Faith FM. Yeah. And not only are they listening, but God is, is impressed pressing people to turn on the radio and yeah. and I've met a number of people that have been really um, led to Christ through the Holy Spirit because uh, a large part, in part, is due to the programming right across Faith FM across yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that is something that a lot of people don't realise, that just the sheer network that Faith FM covers. I mean, uh, right now we're going live to 133 uh, stations, and then tomorrow uh, this is going to be picked up and replayed. And hello to our listeners if you happen to be on the delayed transmit, uh, because there's about another 120. 
20 on the delayed transmit tomorrow. At stations. And and so, look, uh, my figures might be a bit wrong, but I believe we have a reach of Faith FM of more than 5 million Australians. Now, that doesn't mean to say there's 5 million people listening, but yeah, we have yeah. the ability. And even more, though, I th- that's with the radio, but with the app. I mean, anyone that downloads the Faith FM app can have access wherever they are, where, wherever they have internet, to their favourite programs. And I'm sure yeah. a big Q&A with you, Gary, is right up there. Well, actually, David, I tell you, if uh, I'm, do rec- I'm pleased that you mentioned that because this is something that a lot of our people haven't actually picked up on. You know, the other day, I actually thought, well, I'm just going to check out the difference. And I mean, I listen to it through my app all the time. Uh, but uh, I turned my radio on. I turned to here in South Australia, pick us up at F- uh, 88, and uh, right at the very bottom of the dial, and I listened to it, and I was cruising along in my uh, uh, in my vehicle, and I was fading in and fading out. And I thought, oh, what a terrible radio station. And then I actually plugged it into my, uh, into my app through the Bluetooth in my car, which is the way I normally listen to it. And sure enough, as good as any other radio station in the country, you know, I, I think this is marvellous. Look, an absolute blessing. And what I love about it is, um, you know, as a minister, Gary, you and I both know, uh, ministering in a church, you can only be ministering or preaching in, in your church for, I mean, if you preach more than 45 minutes, people are going to sort of get up and walk out, yeah, perhaps, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Faith FM enables the gospel to reach people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not failing. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. And, and I've certainly visited a number of churches recently where, you know, I've sort of, I've shared about Faith FM, people will put their hands up and say, we're sitting in the church here today because of Faith FM. And folks, look, if you um, are listening to Faith FM, why not um, have a look at your, have a go at looking at your local Seventh-day Adventist church and just just see if uh, uh, how their ministry uh, really does uh, link into your, into your particular needs. But David, look, um, I wasn't actually intending to do that great big advert, um, but uh, look, let's come, if we can, to to uh, our World Watch segment. Now, I love our World Watch segment because uh, uh, this talks so much about what's happening uh, in our world. Now, I just picked up uh, just this week, in fact, it's in this week's uh, Newsweek, an article uh, that really jumped out at me as a Seventh-day Adventist minister. This is what the article is entitled. Shocking number of Americans believe we are living in the end times. Now, I I sort of thought, I've got to read this. And, of course, it's actually linked in, it turns out, uh, to people's view of the end times and the environmental uh, issues. But let me just start, let me just read to you some excerpts from this particular article. Uh, 39% of US citizens believe that we are living in the end times, a survey has found. These results come from a Pew Research Center survey of 10,156 adults on the, Amer- on the center's American Trends Panel that was conducted in April 2022, entitled How Religion Intersects with American Views of the Environment. The belief in the end times appears to span many religions. Well, that's certainly true. With 47% of Christians surveyed saying that humanity is in its last days. Now, half of the Christians surveyed said that yes, their belief is that we are in uh, the last days. Uh, the survey also found that those who believe in the end times 
uh, here uh, did not necessarily consider climate change to be a pressing issue. Now, I'm really interested that they've actually linked uh, these two together. Of the Christians who believe we are in the end times, a small group express uh, what the Pew Research Centre identifies as premillennialists. Now, us as Seventh-day Adventists, of course, we are premillennialists. Uh, we, uh, the point of view saying that Jesus Christ will return to earth someday and that the world will de- deteriorate until then. Uh, some 40% of respondents from this group of people feel that climate change is extremely or uh, very serious. Americans' attitude about climate change are sometimes said to be linked to beliefs about the apocalypse or the end times. As the theory goes, people who believe humanity is living in the last days may be less concerned about the dangers of climate change than those who do not think. The world is soon coming to an end. Uh, Becca Alpa, a senior researcher at Pew Research Centre, told Newsweek. Some scholars have theorised that public attitudes towards the environment may be tied at least in part to beliefs about the end times, such as the belief that the end of the world and the arrival of the Messiah, or the second coming of Jesus, is imminent, Alpa said. For example, if one believes that the world is about to end, protecting the environment for the long term may not seem as important. Now, David, this article is in uh, this week's uh, the American Newsweek uh, magazine. Now, I suppose my my question to you is this. I mean, how do you actually react to this article? You know, I mean, firstly, I mean, before we actually go to the linkage with the environment, um, do you sense that there uh, is becoming an increasing belief in the end times? And is it shocking as the title implies. Look, I think the title, Gary, um, like many titles of books or, or movies or programs, is there to grab people's attention. I can think of one big Q&A, right? That's right. I that's mean, right that's- so, so people and journalists are very good at this, aren't they, and authors. They want to catch your attention because we have a short attention span. So I think it's a poor word choice. Mm-hmm. It's dramatising something, just like uh, vocals on uh, voiceovers, if you like, of, of um, promoting some television show. It's just gripping, if you like. Mm, mm, so mm. I think it is um, a bit over the top. I do believe, um, you know, um, anecdotally, that uh, I believe there is an increase in in of people that believe that this world is, is growing old, things are getting worse, and mm. it is not getting better, and we're headed for some sort of tragedy or, or some sort of self-deconstruct, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to end up in trouble. Okay, okay, okay. Well, well how, how would you respond to those who might suggest that, you know, belief in the end times is an extremist belief? Because that's really what this article is implying. Yeah, look, um, I think that is the way that people that don't understand Scripture would react. And I think uh, for some of them, it is it is normal to think that way. You think about it when when uh, God sent the flood in Noah's mm, day. Mm, mm. Um, people, the Bible doesn't say this clearly, yeah. but we have clear indication that uh, Noah preached for about 120 years while, while he built the ark, this mm, boat. Mm. The boat was designed to rescue anyone that wanted to get on board. 
Mm-hmm. Now, we know for a fact that only eight people got on board, Noah's family. Mm-hmm. So clearly, as he preached for those 120 years, people thought he was an extremist. Well, we say he would be a failure, actually. Absolutely. And, and, and Jesus, though, preached this message, didn't he? That uh, he was going to come back. And uh, there was going to be an end to all things. All of the Bible writers preached. And I guess, Gary, um, you know, in thinking about this topic, I'm reminded of Second Peter 3. Mm-hmm. And it says, um, verse 3, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last day, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So, Peter is talking about a group of people that are scoffing at those that are talking about the return of Jesus Christ. So to the unconverted, to the unspiritual mind Mm. that uh, believes or or potentially believes that science has the answer to everything and that humanity can um, alleviate anything that comes their way that is is not good, then it certainly does seem extreme. But uh, like uh, Peter says there in Second Peter 3, verse 5, he says, For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But then he says this, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So here is Peter one of the Mm. most well-known of the 12 Mm. disciples, saying, you might scoff, people will scoff about this like they did about the flood of Noah. But that came and the earth was destroyed by water. But he's saying the earth is reserved at some future point, which Jesus says is soon, in his timing at least, uh, to be destroyed by fire. Okay, so in other words, certainly Peter didn't regard this as an extremist belief. And in fact, if you go to Matthew 24, it's probably one of the most common ones. I mean, the disciples asked about this very question and uh, Christ doesn't condemn them or rebuke them for asking that question, but rather he simply uh, takes it at face value and uh, moves on to answering the question because uh, his whole answer is yes. I mean, what you're saying is actually going to take you know, take place. And he gives this picture of a woman woman who is pregnant, heavily pregnant, about to give birth with these uh, contractions and birth pains, and, yeah. and they're going to get quicker and quicker with greater pain, okay. more intensity. Okay. okay. Look, David, I, I do want to come just very quickly to this, because the main point of the article actually is this issue of uh, climate change. So you know, we've missed the main uh, point. We, we've we? actually missed the main point. Well, I mean, we, we've been uh, uh, sidelined onto yeah. this issue of, uh, you know, uh, of the advent, but you know, regardless of what you believe on the the climate change, um, is care for the environment and belief in the second coming, are they, do you think they're mutually exclusive? No. No, they're not. Um, they shouldn't be because okay. irrespective of whether uh, we believe Jesus is coming back, and I certainly do, uh, and I believe the Bible says it soon, uh, Our first earthly parents were given a mandate by God. They were made as managers of this planet. And and God said everything is good when he made it. Now we know Mm. that sin has entered the world, Mm. but there is still good. We still see the fingerprints of God in nature, in animals, etc., and and in the beauty of nature. And so God charged Adam and Eve to care for the earth. Okay. So 
as a Christian, I believe I have a greater responsibility to care for the environment, to yep. care for the earth, but that does not preclude me from believing that the world is coming to an end. The Bible teaches both of those things, to care for the earth, but the world is coming to an end. And, and look, I think... Um, for me, it's not Christians that believe in the end of the world that is the problem. Mm. A, a key problem is people that don't believe in God, if you like, or don't believe that he's coming back. But another thing there, what's driving a lot of this? It's consumerism. It's greed. It's the exploitation of the earth. Exactly. And yet Christians are challenged by God throughout Scripture to be good stewards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To care for what they've been entrusted with. that you sort of think of, you know, Christ when he comes, according to the book of Revelation, is going to destroy those who destroy the earth. Yeah, Revelation chapter 11. Now, hey, look, you know, the last thing I want to be is destroyed by, you know, Christ when he comes. So therefore I need to be maintaining uh, the earth, not destroying the earth. So, But as you rightly point out, it certainly doesn't negate uh, the reality of Christ's second coming. No, and and so what we find in 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 current society, in Western society at least, is this: people want to divide. Yeah. People want to sort of, and and humanity is a bit like that. We're like that. We want people in pigeonholes, black and white, yeah. or you're either here or you're there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, God wants us to care for the environment. He wants us to be stewards of His creation. But He wants us to be ready when He returns, because no cl- um, climate change improvement will not prevent the earth coming to an end. So, in other words, it's a both and, not an either or. Exactly. Yeah, no, look, that's that's really good. Thank you so much for that answer, David. Look, folks, let's come to some music. This is Faith First, uh, Where There Is Faith. This is a beautiful song. Please, uh, please enjoy uh, Faith First, uh, sharing uh, their own their own faith.
That particular song uh, certainly sends the uh, sentiments of Scripture in a powerful way. Uh, that was Faith First, uh, Where There Is Faith. Now, guys, what we do have for you today a giveaway book. Now, a giveaway book is actually written by Mark Finley. Now, Mark Finley is a, 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 has been called to be a, a preacher extraordinaire. He's preached evangelistically in country after country after country. Uh, this, uh, uh, this book's entitled uh, Ten Days in the Upper Room, uh, Receiving the Gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the subtitle, Welcome to an Incredible Spiritual Journey, it says. Uh, have you ever wondered why the disciples had such a death-defying faith? What gave them the courage to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth in spite of such overwhelming odds? Why were they so different after Pentecost? Uh, you know, uh, some people really struggle to understand that there is a power uh, outside of themselves. Uh, this uh, this particular book digs into this power outside of a, uh, of yourself. Now, look, this is intended to be a devotional study book. It's a book that encourages believers to actually dig into this subject uh, of the Holy Spirit. Now, look, if you want to be blessed beyond measure, 
then can I recommend this book to you? You'll love this particular book. Mark Finley, 10 Days in the Upper Room. Now, look, if you'd like uh, this particular... And look, please, if you get this book... Put aside 10 days and uh, there's a, there's, there's a, a reading there. Uh, there is uh, some material for each of those, each of those days. You know, in the time while you're on holidays, perhaps this, uh, uh, this Christmas season, why not spend some time in, uh, uh, in each of these 10 days, uh, praying for, uh, the impartation of the, of the Holy Spirit? Uh, now look guys, if you would like this particular book, uh, you can pick it up just by texting us. Now our drive time number is 04 888 11. And uh, what you need to do is to just simply in your text just put our code. Our code is SA83. SA83. Now, please, no gap between the SA and the 83 because this doesn't go to any human. Nobody's going to be looking over your shoulder. This just goes to our robot. And our robot will, uh, uh, will ask you a, a few questions so that uh, we can get this book to you in the fastest possible way. Now, 04888 80811 SA 83. Our, uh, our robot's name is uh, Pilgrim. Uh, you'll uh, really appreciate uh, this book and you'll really appreciate uh, how courteous. Uh, Pilgrim is as well. Uh, you'll, uh, you'll love this, uh, this particular book. Now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with, uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is, of course, Pastor David Butcher. And David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Oz. Now this week, we're digging into that subject, the new birth and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so far, We've looked at the implications of this thing called the new birth. But today we want to dig into another subject. You know, can the Holy Spirit really change the person I am? Do you know, folks, one of the things I am just so conscious of is that we live in a world where science and education are seen to fix all things. A change of the individual is regarded as impossible outside of education or human effort. Yet, in speaking about the Holy Spirit in Scripture, we actually find that there's a power that so many know so little about. Uh, you see, in, in Scripture, there seems to be a power that wells up from inside the person. One of the most beautiful teachings uh, I have found in the Word of God is this teaching concerning uh, the Holy Spirit and the change that he's able to make in the life of those who have committed their life uh, to Jesus Christ. But David, look, Help us out on this entire subject. What can the Holy Spirit, how does the Holy Spirit work in the life of the believer? Look, really, really good topic, Gary, and, and a really good question and one that we could be talking about for hours, no doubt. So I guess we'll probably only be really sketching the surface and scratching the surface, if you like. Um, I guess the whole theme of the Holy Spirit, uh, there is a mystery, if you like, mm. that surrounds the Holy Spirit. But the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is clearly the third person of the Godhead, one mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. Uh, but the third person of the Godhead. He is not an impersonal force. Uh, but he is he was there at creation the spirit of god hovered above the face of the waters and, and um 
I guess, Gary, one of the things that really strikes me about this, uh, what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit, is that uh, Jesus, uh, in his ministry on earth, gets to the point where he actually tells his disciples that it's to their benefit for him to leave them. Mm. Now, I don't know about you. Could you imagine going up to someone saying, hey, you know, you'd be better off without Jesus. Now, I know that's not what he was saying, right? Yeah, yeah. But but it just seems odd that Jesus talking to his followers that he's been with for three, three and a half years, and he says, hey, it's for your benefit that I leave you. Yeah, and to me, that statement to me is one of the most powerful in all of Scripture because, you know, I mean, his disciples are there uh, with him, and, uh, hey, do they want to lose Christ? No, of course they don't want to lose Christ. But Christ is saying, no, I'm going away because if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. So there is something very special, isn't there, about there the is. Holy Spirit for Jesus to say that. And this is where he says it, John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, this is the Holy Spirit, he's yeah, called yeah, the Helper, yeah, 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 yeah. will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Mm. Now, this is really, really special because um, Jesus uh, is, uh, when he says this, there is not long before his crucifixion, not long before his death. And um, we know that uh, when Jesus died on the cross, when he took the weight of the world upon him, when he became sin for us and he died and then he rose from the dead on the third day on Sunday morning and um, then he uh, ascended to heaven uh, and he's interceding for us. In fact, the Bible says he's doing a work of judgment in heaven before he comes back. But Jesus took upon himself um, uh Human form, if you like, he, he he lost. He gave up. I should say, he gave up the ability to be everywhere at once. Mm, mm. Um, he is still fully God. Yes, yes. But what a what an eternal price he paid for the yeah. sin of yeah. the world, the sin yeah. of humanity. So Jesus says, "It's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you." Mm. Now, um, we'll jump to, back to that passage in a minute. But if I was to go to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, um, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. We're talking about 40 days after his resurrection. Mm-hmm. He's with the disciples and he says to them, and I'll just bring this uh, text up, he says, um, for John truly baptized, oh, verse 4 of uh, Acts 1, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Mm. So Jesus is saying, you need to... It's for your benefit that I go. When I go, I will send the the helper. And he says that the helper is the promise of the Father, from mm, the Father. Mm. So this is a gift, if you like, a blessing that Jesus wants to give to this group of believers that will form the genesis of what we now know as the Christian church. Mm. And, and, of course, what we get, and if you move to Acts chapter 1 and 2, you get what's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and you get absolutely transformed disciples. Absolutely. So this is one of the reasons why Jesus says it's to your benefit that I go. Mm-hmm. So let's
let's just jump back to John 16 mm-hmm. verses. Uh, we've read verse 7 where he says, it's to your benefit that I go. But verse 8, and this is a, a key verse, I think, Gary, and I think one that you like as well. This is part of the work of the Holy Spirit, John 16, 8. And when he has come, that's the Holy Spirit, he mm-hmm. will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Mm. So Jesus says that the help of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, if you like, from Acts chapter 1, is going to come and he's going to convict the world of sin. That's the first thing he says. In other words, this is the drawing force uh, of uh, of God, of the Father, to uh, to, to, to believers, uh, to, to those who want to be believers. Uh, you know, to me, David, this one is actually so important because, uh, some of us, you know, we might call it a, a still small, small voice. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit sets up, uh, opportunities for believers to be able to share their own faith. Absolutely. And, and Jesus says, he says that no one can come to me unless the Father draws, unless they're drawn to, to him, right? Yeah. Now, who is it that draws people to Christ? Mm, it's the Holy it's Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, Isaiah talks about Jesus. There was nothing that stood out about him physically. Yeah. Um, that would have drawn people to him. Yeah. He, he was like another a Galilean, another yeah. person from Palestine. Mm. Uh, and yet, more than a billion people have been drawn to the God-man, Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. I want to suggest that it's through the Holy Spirit. Um, humanity, all have sinned, Paul says in Romans. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, often I think when we're in that pig pen, if you like, of sin, mm. we don't want to get out. We may not be able to see a way out, mm. and often we don't see Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit through other Christians, as you've alluded to, or through just the conviction, the strong conviction yeah. on yeah. our minds and hearts that there is something more. You know, David, uh, this is something that is that's so important that we can so easily overlook it, but I'm conscious that the work of the Holy Spirit doesn't just stop with the conviction of uh, of individuals you get if we come to uh, to John chapter 14 and verse verse 26 but the helper this is Christ speaking the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that i have said to you you know to me i think this is actually so so beautiful he'll teach you all things in other words there's a work beyond the actual Conviction of sin. Once I've accepted Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave me alone. What the Holy Spirit seems to do here is continue working in my life, teaching me all things and bringing all things to my remembrance. This is this is really true. So it, it, in John fourteen twenty six, what you just read, it calls him the Helper, right? Yeah. Uh, which is made up of two Greek words, uh, a combination of two Greek words, which mean the one called to stand by. So it's one thing being convicted of sin, and I don't know about you, in, in my life there have been many times I've been convicted of sin and wrong in my life, and yeah, you feel yeah. bad. God doesn't want us, 
guilt is 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 not a bad thing, right? Because yeah, yeah. if we don't feel guilt, we don't feel need for the saviour. But if all we do is feel guilt and there is no way out, there is no hope. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, that's where repentance and confession kick in. I- exactly. And so one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin either through other people, through the Word of God, or through His impression on our hearts and minds. But then, as you've said, He is there to stand by us, to teach us, and to bring things to our remembrance, which takes me to Acts chapter Mm 2. And we're just going to touch on this, because I think this will be looked at more fully in a a day or two's time. But in Acts chapter 2, we have uh, the story of the day of Pentecost, which is, you know, 50 days after after Passover, after the crucifixion. And in Acts chapter 2, we have... The apostles preaching a powerful message that uh, Jesus, whom he says, whom you crucified to the Jews. He's saying, mm-hmm. you crucified mm-hmm. him. Yeah. We're going to remember 50 days before, just after the crucifixion, the disciples were fearful, yep. hiding in the upper room with the door barred. Amen. Because they were, they were scared witless. Yes. But here, 50 days later, we, we read in, in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Peter then gets up and he preaches this powerful sermon because uh, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. And his message is so powerful. It's so Christ-focused. Yes. Uh, Christ is the center. He's the Messiah. He died for our sins. You crucified him. Verse 37 of uh, chapter 2. Now, when they heard this, when the Jews... They were in Jerusalem they and heard were this. cut to their heart. Picture that. It's a very vivid picture, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Mm. Now, now, I don't know about you, Peter. We, uh, sorry, Gary. <laughs> I don't know about you, Gary, but at the end of this story in Acts chapter 2, how many were converted? It was about 3,000 that day. Amazing number. Now... You and I have both preached and uh, and preach regularly, and I've never had three thousand people cut to the heart that yeah, that point yeah, in time. Yeah. That last Sabbath, I was preaching Saturday in a church, and, and I preached. Uh, God really blessed, I believe, praise to Him. And um, one particular man who had been brought by a friend had never been in a Seventh Day Adventist church before, mm, mm. maybe not even in a church before. Mm. And it, I made an appeal, if you like, of sorts. He came up to me after the sermon with tears in his eyes. And uh, it was coming back the next week, and we spoke. Yeah. So there was a level of conviction yeah, of yeah. some sort. It's the Holy Spirit that does this. And, and so these people are cut to the heart, but then verse 38, or verse 37, they say, what shall we do? Verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent. That means turn around. Mm. Uh, you need to head in the opposite direction to what you've been heading. Turn back to God, if you like, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will, not might, you will or you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to those who are all, all who are afar off, as many as the Lord has called. Yeah, yeah. David, that's so. Uh, that is so. So, what's such a wonderful, wonderful thought there, uh, David? Look, we do have to split it for some, for some music. But look, let me just ask you a question because I'd like you to respond to it when you, when we actually come uh, come back. Now, Second um, Peter um, talks about uh, about something here that uh, to me I think is a real challenge to, to many Christians. Now, Second uh, Peter chapter one and verse uh, verse five and onward says this. Um, but for this very reason. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, this is something that we often glance over. We don't notice what this is saying here. Add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue. 
to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if all these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, David, the question I just want to want to throw at you after after our break is this particular. I mean, is Peter being unrealistic when he? I mean, so many people say, "Hey, look, you know, faith is enough. Faith is going to take me to the kingdom." And yet here, Paul turns around and says, "Hey, I want you to add uh, to your faith." What really is he getting at here? We'll come back to that uh, after our break. Uh, let's come to Randy Travis. Uh, shout to the Lord uh, because this is a wonderful uh, song of victory. Please, uh, please enjoy. breath 
is Randy Travis shout to the Lord originally written by uh, Jeff uh, Bullock uh, all those uh, years ago but it's certainly become uh, a staple in uh, uh, in Christian uh, uh, Christian music in uh, in more recent uh, recent times and now folks please don't forget that uh, that book that giveaway book that we uh, do have today 10 days in the upper room look if you want to revive your spiritual life this is the book to use uh, this is a real little beauty uh, it's really worth uh, picking up. Uh, Mark Finley uh, is a renowned preacher and writer. He has written many, many books. Uh, he is acclaimed by by so many. Uh, this is uh, not a difficult book to read. Ten Days in the Upper Room Receiving the Gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever wondered why the disciples had such a death-defying faith? What gave them uh, the courage to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth in spite of such overwhelming odds uh, why were they so different after Pentecost you know my friends I believe that the day and age in which we're living today is saying is quickly redressing to the uh, uh, to the type of uh, culture that existed in the uh, in the Roman Empire and uh, I believe that this uh, more and more uh, this the, the work of the Holy Spirit is going to be uh, needed uh, to uh, uh, complete what Christ has called uh, the church to fulfill. Ten days in the upper room. Pastor Mark Finley, uh, you'll really appreciate it. If you'd like your own copy of this book, all you need to do is to text us. Here at our studio, text number 04888. 80811 04888808811 and just put in that text SA83 no gap between the SA and the 83 and uh, that will trigger our robot and uh, he'll ask you uh, uh, come back to you ask you a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest uh, possible way Mark Finley uh, 10 days in the upper room SA83 and that text number again is 04888 808 11. Uh, and uh, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher. David's our regular uh, Wednesday co-host. He's also lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in South Oz. And this week we're digging into that theme, the new birth and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so far... We've looked at the implications of this thing called the new birth. Today we're asking, though, can the Holy Spirit really change me? Now, David, we've got about 10 minutes, so I need you to bring this together fairly quickly. But before our break, I brought you to uh, Second uh, Second Peter chapter chapter 1, where the apostle says something that to many is almost uh, is a little bit out there. Um, he says this, but for every reason, uh, for this very reason, giving all diligence... Add to your faith. Now, that statement to me really jumps out at me because, you know, for by, you know, I'm saved by grace through faith. Uh, that is one of the foundations, certainly, of, uh, of Christian belief. And uh, yet, P- Peter here is saying, hey, uh, add to your faith, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self control, to self control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. And, and so he goes on and 
relationship. You know, I mean, is this really possible? I mean, how is this possible? How is it possible to change? I mean, when I'm driving down the road and someone uh, tailgates me and they give me signals that, you know, aren't certainly aren't Christian signals. I mean, hey, uh, surely, I mean, self-control? Is that possible? Yeah, and look, we all get tested on these things. Uh, there are some wonderful states in Australia to drive, and uh, uh, coming from the eastern states, South Australia is not one that I enjoy driving in. I get frustrated, right? So we're continually being uh, taught. Wash your like. mouth out. So, Gary, let's get to this passage, right? Let's forget we said that. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses uh, five, 5 to yeah. onwards. What we see here where he says, add to your faith... Virtue, And then he goes on with all those others. There is yeah. a progression, if you like, yeah. from faith uh, through to virtue, to knowledge. When we have knowledge, we, we gain self-control. When we have self-control, we persevere, we get godliness, and we get brotherly kindness, and we mm. get love. So there is the Christian journey is not one that is stagnant and stationary. Otherwise, it, it, it is not alive. And that's why Jesus said in John 16 that the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. Mm. In other words, a guiding thing is not something on and off. And if it's all truth, then it seems to be a progression. And, you know, David, I think this is actually really important in the world in which we're living because I'm just so conscious that there are so many people who turn around and are quite happy to say, hey, uh, you know, uh, maybe a science can solve all things or maybe good education can solve all things. And yet what you seem to be saying to us is that there's actually um, something more powerful than even Education. Education can only go so far, it seems. Absolutely. And look, in Galatians 3.14, uh, the Apostle Paul says that the blessing of Abram might come upon the Gentiles, non-Jews, if you like, mm. in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we receive the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. We receive the Holy yep. Spirit through faith. And when we, when we receive the Holy Spirit, what he does, he leads us into all truth. He teaches us. So what actually happens as we submit or surrender or allow him to work in our lives, then the affections from the things of this world uh, begin to dim and fade and their attraction to us begins to diminish. And as the Holy Spirit is enabled and allowed to work in our lives, it's, it's self-surrender, that's our daily job is to surrender, then the Holy Spirit is able to work, to teach us, to convict us, to guide us. And as we continually allow him to do that and allow him to clean us up, if you like, mm. then we go on this progression that Second uh, Peter 1 verse 5 verses 8 goes on to Speak. In other words, there's an empowerment here it's that uh, that we could speak about. There's a there's a power that comes on the person who has accepted Jesus Christ that is outside of themselves. Absolutely, that's why in Acts chapter one verse eight he says, "When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive." Power. Now, the Greek word's dynamis, and pardon me, uh, Greek listeners, but that word dynamis, we get the word dynamite for power, but it also means, it can equally mean the ability or capability to be his witnesses. Mm. So when the, we have no ability, we have no power without the Holy Spirit, mm. spiritually. Mm. When we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives through faith, we then have the ability, capability, or power, if you like, to be able to uh, live the life that God wants us to live, which is a life 
sometimes two steps forward, one step back, but it's generally over the course a life of progression. Mm, yeah, not through our own power, but through Jesus. And, power. and uh, really, the Apostle Paul sums this up incredibly well in Galatians uh, chapter five, when you sort of come to this thing called the the fruit of the spirit. And uh, you know, to me, I love this particular passage because uh, Paul almost goes to a into a crescendo and uh, crescendo here. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. You know, he's just building up this list, but. He he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what does that imply to you, Dave? It means to get fruit, you have to have a seed that grows into something and transforms. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's the outworking. Our lives will show peace, long-suffering, patience, kindness. We can't do that in and of ourselves. So it's a, not necessarily always a rapid process, but as we continually allow the Holy Spirit, that, that seed of faith, if you like, grows into joy, into peace, into love, into long-suffering, mm. and we begin to be transformed. Yeah, and look, David, even that verse that we actually do, we conclude every single drive time program with it. I, I love it. It's actually John fourteen twenty seven. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. That's the last verse that we share every single day. And, you know, David, one of the things I'm conscious of is that so many people that I come across don't have that peace. They don't. They don't. And one of the other things, we, we really need to worry yeah, yeah, up yeah, here, yeah. Gary, but one of the other things about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives gifts okay. to every believer. Yep. And those gifts, uh, you know, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the Apostle Paul says, and he himself, this is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith, the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Mm. So the Holy Spirit, uh, in fact, Jesus says, uh, Peter, Peter says at the day of Pentecost, repent, be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The yeah. gift is yeah. the Holy Spirit. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the gift, but the Holy Spirit, who is the gift, then enables us, gives us uh, particular outworkings, mm. the ability to teach or preach or have mercy or have faith. Uh, he gives us these outworkings for the building up of the church, which is called the body of Christ, yep. Yep. Uh, for building up of believers, for missionary work. In other words, those people are empowered through their various gifts. The Holy Spirit is able to use them to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Exactly. And so you've got a great big circle happening here. We do. And 1 Corinthians 12, I think it's verse, uh, verse uh, tw- 7, verse 12, says, 1 Corinthians twelve twelve says that the Holy Spirit gives to each person as he wills these outworkings of the, of the gifts. So some people say you've got to be... Uh, you're not born again until you speak in tongues, yeah. if you don't have the gift of tongues. Well, First Corinthians 12 says that's the Holy Spirit who gives to each person as he wills. Yes, 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 yes. So we need to pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit, not for a particular outworking. Yeah. Not to pray for the gift of teaching or the gift of a martyrdom or hospitality, but to pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit and to pray for that daily to fill us. And, and, to make and us allow things. the Holy Spirit to work as he will uh, with that particular gift. Because we can't control God. Exactly, exactly. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father in heaven. Lord, I come to you right now. Lord, I want to pray for any person listening right now who might be struggling in their Christian life. 
Lord, maybe they're, maybe they've gone lukewarm. Uh, Lord, maybe there's, there's something that's separating them, uh, from you. Uh, Lord, I just want to pr- claim your promise. Lord, your, your promise is just so, so powerful that, uh, you, like a good father, are more willing to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask than is a good father to give good gifts to his children. Lord, I just pray that you might fulfill your word right now. Uh, if there is somebody, uh, who is saying, Hey, I want this fulfilled in my life. Lord, I just pray. Uh, that in their mind they might raise their hand to you and that you might fulfill that promise uh, in their life at this time. Lord, thank you for giving us that gift, for it is such a powerful gift. It's such a life-giving gift. Lord, thank you for what you have done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time, big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan are going to be asking, do good Christians still struggle? Now there is a question and a half. I really look forward uh, to being with you again. But until then, please remember Christ said, I am leaving you with that gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give. Isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.